You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm a longtime yoga teacher, a self-care coach, an astrologer, and somewhat of a more recent mama of three. And today is the final episode on sharing some of my experience in postpartum, postpartum self-care, and just why this time in our life is so magical. And it's also so challenging having just been... I'm still in it, but just getting out of the thick of it. Today, I have my dear friend and postpartum doula, Tess Olson, on the show. I can't wait for you to hear from her. If you are someone who's thinking about having a baby in the future, you're going to gather so many helpful tips from today's episode and also learn more about exactly what a postpartum doula is, because it's something that, frankly, I didn't know a lot about in the past. I know a lot of people hear that word and they're not exactly sure what that is. If you've already had children or are not interested in having children, this episode is also great for learning how to ask for help. It's something I can safely say that many of us struggle with. It's cultural and it just, it really doesn't have to be that way, but it does take a little bit of practice when we talk about that. Finally, this episode is great for anyone that wants to better support their postpartum friends and family members. It's a really delicate time and there are impactful ways to support those friends that are in the thick of it. Tess shares a lot of ideas in today's episode. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I like to pull back the curtain and share self-care tips and tricks that I've been doing myself. I like to experiment and share. And the last six months for me really have been, you know, about the postpartum of it all from bringing back my energy to regulating my hormones, now weaning from my milk supply, managing mental health, trying to heal physically. So it's literally a full-time job (laughs) and like amidst, you know, taking care of kids and, and having a job and doing all of these other things. So I wanted to share some of the work that I've been doing now that Stella is six months and I'm starting to feel like my more full self again. It's really amazing, but it's taken some real discipline, some dedication to my health, setting boundaries, saying no. And I want to be real about that. We don't just bounce back from these huge life-changing moments, even if we think we can. It doesn't really happen that way. And so in my experience, this dedication to the process has been really impactful. And I have to admit, I've tried a lot of things. I've tried supplements, I've tried therapies, products, you name it. And the things that have made the biggest difference in my postpartum recovery are actually things that are really central to health and wellness in everyday life, everyday self-care. And the best part is they're completely free. They're literally, you can do them anywhere. They don't cost anything, all of them. So I wanted to share those because I think that this healing process, whether it's postpartum or any healing process that you're on, 
and the health and wellness journey that we're all on, it does not have to be expensive. So here are my five things that have made the biggest difference in the last six months in my postpartum journey. Number one, prioritizing sleep. Now you might ask like, how am I doing that as you know, a mama of a newborn, two other kiddos? We early on in the process, my partner and I had a conversation about sleep and what that looked like, how we would trade off sleep. And were we getting our full, you know, recommended eight hours? No way. There was no way, but we were getting some sleep and we made it a key priority. And that meant that some things like socializing had to go out the window for a little bit. And that was okay. Now, six months, we implemented some sleep training. I know sleep training is very much a controversial topic for my family. It worked really well. All three of my girls benefited from it. And I was able to implement it in a way that didn't make me feel extremely stressed out because sleep training can be extremely stressful. So now Stella sleeps great. She sleeps all night. Sometimes she wakes up, but it doesn't feel like I'm struggling for sleep. That was at the top of the list over this whole period of postpartum sleep was something that I wanted to prioritize. And actually our guest today, Tess, I had hired her to be an overnight postpartum doula where she came and took care of the baby. And I would sleep for, you know, a few hours at a time. When I actually, (laughs) she came and helped me and we started to develop a relationship, I realized that I wanted her there more during the day and that I kind of liked those evenings with the baby. So she didn't actually help me with overnight, but from the get-go, having support for my sleep was at the top of the list. And that's something that will carry into my entire life, prioritizing sleep. Number two, drinking more water. Now, I know this is another one that's like very buzzy, but it's literally insane how dehydrated we all are. We don't realize it. It's impacting our brains. It's impacting our digestion. And I realized how, you know, I thought I was drinking enough and really actually wasn't when I started to track it. Um, There's lots of, you can just Google like how much water am I supposed to have based on my weight? I'd Google that, figured out like, okay, I need X amount of ounces of water, which in the end I think ended up being like four of my water bottles in a day. And I, I was like, cool, yeah, I can totally do that. And when I started to pay attention, actually start tracking, I wasn't even coming close. And I thought that I was hydrating. So thinking about how much water I'm taking in and prioritizing that, making that a part of my intentional plan for the day, major change in my health and well-being, digestion, mental clarity, just all the ways, right? Number three, this one's tough and I'm not there yet, but it's something that I think about all the time and I've been working on over the last probably 10 years and that's limiting alcohol. I don't want to say a whole lot about this conversation because I think it's something that's really personal. Everybody has their take on alcohol And I have to admit, this comes from a place of of wounding. There's a lot of energy and healing that I have around relationships with alcohol. And so it's something that I want to continue to work on. What I've learned about alcohol, and I want to direct you over to Liz Moody's podcast, Healthier Together. She did a three-part series on alcohol and how it impacts our body and our health. It is sadly just not good for us. And and there's ways that we can obviously, you know, manage how much, but everything in, in moderation. But at the end of the day, 
alcohol is really tough on our body. And when someone like me who's spending all this time and energy and taking my care of myself in all these other ways and spending money on health and wellness, and then choosing to imbibe with alcohol, it kind of canceled other things out. And so I'm navigating this still. It's been a journey and it's something that I know will really impact my health to cut out completely, but I'm not quite there yet. So limiting alcohol is number three. It has made a really big difference over the last six months, just limiting it in general. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> number four, getting outside. I talk about this all the time on Instagram, but getting outside within the first ideally 20 minutes of waking up is so key. It is a blizzard here in Minnesota, literally like every day. So I'm not doing that at the moment and it's dark when I wake up, but if I can get outside at least for a little bit, for a quick walk, for a moment to step out onto the deck with my coffee, even in my snow pants, that is so key. Getting outside, regulating the circadian rhythm, connecting to the earth, central to my health and wellness. And again, totally free. And then finally, the last one is moving my body. Now that I'm feeling stronger and I'm starting to get some of that core strength back, I've been able to do more yoga classes, do some Peloton workouts, do strength. But at first it was literally just going for walks and being outside for a few minutes or doing a gentle yoga flow in first thing in the morning, you know, grabbing my dumbbells and just doing a few bicep curls while making coffee. That was, that was enough, but literally just moving the body somewhat every day has been so helpful. If you are someone who sits at a desk or someone who enjoys sitting down lounging, you realize that in fact, we aren't moving all that much during the day. And so taking time to move the body, being intentional about that is so helpful. I'm going to be doing some more content on this, on these part, these five areas. Um, that's just, again, free self-care that makes such a difference. But I wanted to, to let you know that those are the, those are the things that have made the biggest difference in this whole postpartum self-care journey. Okay enough about (laughs) me. Let's talk about the amazing Tess Olson, my postpartum doula. So Tess is a postpartum and pregnancy support doula. She supports families prenatally and after babies arrive. She's here in the Twin Cities with me, but she also supports new moms virtually via her one-on-one virtual doula services and her mom's groups. When we recorded this, she had a mom's group coming up. Um, Not sure if she has one at the moment, but she does have so many things that you can do virtually. So if you listen this episode and you want to work with Tess, you can mention Yoga Magic and get 10% off of any of her virtual moms groups coming up. I literally cannot recommend her enough. Having any postpartum doula to vent to, to have around to help was so impactful, so revolutionary this time around. Having done now two, this is my third postpartum journey, it made such a difference. I also really enjoy having the camaraderie of other women. And we talk about that, the support of mom's groups. I did mom's groups with my first two babies and then worked more one-on-one with Tess this time around. So community is key. No matter where you are in the world, you can get involved with postpartum doulas. I recommend Tess, but there's lots all over. And yeah, this is just one of the most important things I did in supporting my well-being and self-care in the last year. And I wanted to share it with you. So if you are new here, welcome. I'm so glad. Please follow along on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast and hit the little plus sign on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so that you can be a regular subscriber of the show. Each week, I bring self-care and self-discovery practices, tips to your ears 
Some episodes coming up, we're going to be taking some, you know, new conversations, some fun things. We're talking angel messages, psychedelics, personal branding, and just a lot more. So you're not going to want to miss out. Let's get to this conversation with my friend Tess, postpartum prenatal doula extraordinaire. Welcome, Tess. My, I literally feel like you're a family member now. So this is like casual conversation with, with someone who's seen me naked, like maybe not fully <laughs> naked, but like in the throes. I am so excited to chat with you about postpartum doula, self-care. How are you? I am good. It's a beautiful, crisp fall day here in Minnesota. And I went for a walk before this with a neighbor. We were just talking about life and just, oh, just the fresh air feels so good right now. It was a hot summer. It does. Yeah. I'm too. This is fun. This is a long time coming. We've had a lot of time together. A funny, a funny story. I want to anecdotally like set the tone for listeners because if you've not been in like a, a journey of postpartum, you don't know how funny and just kind of free balling it is. Like it is truly just out. I don't know. You're out there. So the first, I think maybe it was like the first or second time you came over and we'll talk about what Tess does. Cause if you're like, I don't know what she does, you were rocking Stella and I'd gotten like an hour to shower. And funnily enough, when the body is like very close postpartum, I think it was maybe like a week or two after you yeah. don't have a lot of control over bodily functions, right? Like there's just no control. <laughs> you were sitting with Stella and I could not control anything at that point and like was walking to the bathroom and farted so loud and you were <laughs> in her bedroom and I was like oh my god I'm so embarrassed but like it didn't matter and I was like I like I knew we were gonna be good friends and that this was so helpful and that like yeah let's just like level the playing field here shall we <laughs> just farting on our first you know meeting it's fine like bodily functions do not phase me between becoming a mom and being a postpartum doula nothing's off the table like you said it's just you can be vulnerable you can fart you can queef if you want like literally anything <laughs> like that like <laughs> needs to happen can totally happen in the company of a doula or me. Yes. General. Yes. Okay. So Tess, can you tell listeners what you do as a postpartum doula? Absolutely. A postpartum doula is, um, I think the word doula even means like a woman who serves, which sounds a little bit like ooh, archaic, but we are serving families, new families right after they have their babies. Um, it's a super vulnerable time. It's a really difficult time, but also extremely rewarding in a lot of ways. Um, but there's so many different firsts, whether you're it's your first baby or in your case, your third baby. There's so many new new things that come with each baby that you have. And the first time around is definitely um, a time where there's lots of twists and turns and, and firsts, right? And so a postpartum doula is there to help not only with the practical parts of life that doesn't stop after you welcome a little baby into the world. So things like laundry and dishes and washing bottles and taking the recycling out. I mean, simple things, but that take time and energy away from your life, which is completely focused on keeping this little human alive. That's your number one goal. So yeah, some people hire postpartum doulas 
for their first, they'll go on and hire for their second um, baby, third baby, or maybe they just use them for their first because they, they want to have that extra support because maybe people have warned them about different things, whether it be mental health, you know, postpartum depression, anxiety, or they just want a reliable resource. So they're not up on Google scrolling late at night, wondering, you know, this thing is happening with my baby. Is it normal? What should I do? Is my baby getting enough to eat? I mean, there's so many questions and opportunities to be completely overwhelmed. Um, and so a postpartum doula really filters out all that noise so that we take that mental load off of you. And then really there to like give like a resources, but also referrals. Like if you are struggling with breastfeeding and maybe need a lactation consultant to come in to give their expertise, we can give you those referrals so that you know, you're getting someone who is not only really a great resource, but also someone that we trust. And we, we know that they have a really good approach and that's someone who's going to match your energy and your personality and your style. So that again, you're not just looking at reviews on Google and kind of blindly hoping for the best. We do so many things. I could go on and on. So many things. And I think it'll help to differentiate kind of, there's varying different types of postpartum doulas and there's, I mean, just doula in general. Can you talk about the difference between a postpartum doula and a birth doula? Because I think people confuse those. Yes. A lot of times you hear the word postpartum and people think postpartum depression. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, a lot of men, when I tell them what I do, um, older men, they say, wow, that's so hard. Like, I think I had a friend who had postpartum depression and I'm like, yep, that's not quite what I meant. But, um, so the difference between a postpartum doula and a birth doula, it's in the name, but a birth doula is with you before you have your baby prenatally, um, to understand kind of what type of birth you're hoping for. And then they're there when you're actually laboring, um, and during your birth. So they're there to not only support the birthing person, but also the birthing person's partner. Mm-hmm. So things like a lot of comfort measures, birth doulas are highly trained on keeping you comfortable physically during labor, helping with positioning, you know, giving you like little minor adjustments, massage. I mean, just making sure you're taking care of also advocating for you. Yeah. Um, the birth space. It's a highly vulnerable and emotional time. And unfortunately, Western medicine does over-medicalize something that's natural. And so a birth doula is there to kind of ground everybody and keep them, you know, keep them honest, make sure that you're informed about all the decisions that you have to make as twists and turns may happen or will happen when you're in labor. So they're there prenatally during labor. And then after baby is born. And then typically a birth doula will come um, a few hours after baby is born and check in on how, how you're doing. And then some birth doulas will come and do one postpartum visit for like a couple hours just to see how you're doing. Um, and then they kind of wrap up their time with you. A postpartum doula we do meet with our clients prenatally to just understand what their hopes and goals are for what we call the fourth trimester or the first three months after baby's born. And then after you have your baby, um, typically I think the earliest I've had was like a six day old baby. You were one of my 
earliest clients. Like when I came in, I think Stella was maybe six or seven Mm -hmm. years old. And we are with families strictly after they have their babies. And again, for those first three months, while not only babies adjusting to world, the world outside the womb, but also the parents are adjusting to so many new experiences and firsts and challenges, but also again, very happy, joyous moments as well. Mm. Yeah. That's a great, great summary. So you work with clients in person and digitally. Can you talk about the difference between those two variables of your work? Absolutely. Yes. I call myself a postpartum doula, but also a virtual doula. So with COVID, a lot of um, doulas went virtual because they weren't allowed in people's birthing spaces. Um, also just client preference. Um, but I know that I can help more moms. So first time moms with my virtual offering, because I don't need to be in their physical geographical location. Um, we have two prenatal sessions where just kind of understand like how prepared are you feeling? What areas do you have a lot of concern about um, what questions can I answer? Like we really dig into preparing for your birth, but then also postpartum. And then usually a week postpartum, we'll start doing one-on-one, one-hour sessions over Zoom, baby in hand, to really just check in on all areas. So it's really, I let the client lead and set the tone for the the meeting things that we always do. We always start with a grounding meditation to just like really get everyone reset. And then I always want to know like what's going well for you or what went well since I saw you last. And like, what are you struggling with? What questions can I answer? You need help with your pump. Okay. Next session or right now, go grab it. Let's let me show you how to use your pump. And then a lot of it too, is like on those early weeks, like processing your birth story. If you're ready for that, I deal with a lot of moms who've had traumatic births, unfortunately, and, you know, just talking through what was so hard for them is extremely therapeutic. So I feel like I need to pause and say, I'm not a therapist, but work that we do is the emotional support of just creating that space for you to really talk through anything that's really just like heavy on your heart, whether if it has to do with your birth or frustrations you're having with your partner postpartum. I mean, it's, I'm really your sounding board and clients know anything that we talk about is like, it's just between us. Like it's Mm -hmm. totally like safe, safe space. And then in addition to those six postpartum visit, my mamas get access to my virtual moms group every week. So you get a community of other moms to connect with all across the United States. Um, I had one client in London. Um, so you can be, yeah, you don't have to be in the United States. And we just talk about anything and everything, um, in our weekly call. And again, some clients end up like figuring out they don't live too far from each other. They can meet up in person, which is awesome. Um, but really my main goal outside of just like being there for you in every way possible is making sure that you feel connected because community is one of the biggest things that new moms, especially actually all moms, not even new moms that all moms need 
after they have their babies. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So then can you give some examples of when you're doing in-person work, things that you do? And I guess I can, I can speak to just our experience. Like I was telling John, I was using you as my example. And I think I told you this before. I'm like, okay, here's what I need. How, here's how I need you to help me. My partner, I'm telling you, he was like, I need you to come in with a grounded presence like Tess does. Like, I don't want any chaos. Don't walk mm-hmm. into the house with any chaos. Secondly, I need you to not ask me what you can do to help because that is very overwhelming for me to like you're putting the emotional labor on me to come up yep. with a, like telling you what to do because Tess comes in and she immediately washes the dishes every time. God bless. <laughs> and then, what was the other one? I can't remember, but it was like you had that down, right? This like grounded presence. You knew that you could help me in a variety of ways. And you also just listened. So what types of things do you do in when you're at home, when you're one-on-one with mamas and their babies? Yeah. You know, every relationship looks a little different. Every client's needs are different. One client, it was almost like, I was just like a girlfriend, right? She is not from Minnesota. She doesn't have a lot of friends who've had babies Mm -hmm. recently or at all. So it was heavy, heavy, heavy on emotional support. Mm -hmm. It was like, we, we hung out and she got to vent to me about whatever was going on with in-laws or family or just stress that she had going on. Her partner was already back at work. She was exclusively pumping. So a lot of bottle washing um, at her house Mm -hmm. and like meal prep, getting her like, even if it was just like warming something up in the microwave or the oven, like making sure, yeah, moms are fed and hydrated is very important because you get so caught up in it. It's like, Got to make sure like the basic needs are being met at the very minimum. I always say laundry. You had one human, one additional, very small human to a family. And apparently like laundry just exponentially like explodes the amount that you have to do. So much laundry. It's insane. So much. There's always laundry to do. So without a doubt, I'm always doing laundry, whether it's folding, putting it in, switching it out, putting it away, like laundry hanging out with other kids in the family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of like, I feel like my gift to new moms and parents is allowing mom and second or third baby that one-on-one time that they really need. Right. Because it's not their only kid. They've got two who are demanding a lot of them, especially as kids get older, they demand you in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and I recognize that. And I really want to make sure that moms and parents are feeling like they're getting that space to connect with this new human, because you are learning a whole new person. Like they're learning you. Yes. You just carried them for 10 months, but it's a, it's the two-way relationship. And when you've got multiples in the house, like mom and baby need that time to learn one another. And so I want to create that space. What else? I feel like it's really, I try and think of mostly, and I feel like I can do this better now that I'm a mom. I try and think of if someone were to walk through my door right now, and I had a list of things that I wish that they could take off my plate, what would those things be. Mm-hmm. So like, I remember when I came to your house and like, I saw it was garbage day. It's like, okay, it just feels oh nice. God, like, like literally, oh my God. Like, you just have someone pull in the garbage can from the street. 
right? And like, the millions of Amazon boxes <laughs> just yeah. load up in your house. Yeah, right? like I like broke down Amazon boxes because yeah. it's like it's the annoying things that like we have to do take time, energy, and they're just irritating. Like there's those little things like life, life annoyances and life duties, household duties do not stop when you have a children. They just become more demanding and there's Mm -hmm. more to do. Yes. I do like to have a few things. Maybe like these are my wish list items. I would love to, like you said, take a shower or get a workout in or watch a TV show uninterrupted but then I also, I understand that there is labor that comes with having to drum up ideas for mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. Um, to do. So I try and take that and just, it's like, read the room, like look around, like, you know, just make yourself useful. And yeah, I think partners do struggle with that. I don't know what, what that is or what that's about, but <laughs> they definitely, they ask too much and they do more doing. Yep. And I think you led by example on that. There, were, I mean, there were so many things, you know, in my experience, like you, I really, I think for the purposes of speaking to self-care, like that time where you took Stella and I didn't have to explain to you what to do with her because you knew you're, you're doing it all the time, right? You took her and held her for a nap and you gave her a bottle when she needed it. And it was, and I could go and like you said, work out or take a shower, or like lay in my sauna blanket, like things that yeah. I just, I don't get to do. And it felt so luxurious. And I did didn't have to worry, right? Like no worries. You got it under control. And the other piece of it, you know, like you said, with kiddos, other kiddos around just having like this idea of like a second mom, truly like a second mom that was around and they got attention from somebody, whether it was me or you. I mean, my kiddos demand attention. We did so much just fielding kiddos and, and, you know, looking at a schedule, like if someone was like, oh, I'd love some help for me. It was helpful to have you around about twice a week, four hours, you know, each session. And that was so luxurious. Some people have more, you know, things like little, like cooking food. You would, we love to have pancakes on hand. Like you'd make pancakes and we had those for dinner because we have Brinner like every night, you know, these are the things that made this 12 weeks for me so much more enjoyable. And frankly, I don't know if I could have done it I mean, I could have, but it wouldn't have been as, as lovely with three kids. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, now looking back, you know, I would have loved that with the first two. Like you said, like we can do it. We are fully capable, but it's to what expense? Like we are, right, we, right. we do it alone. Like we were not made to child rear alone. Like mm-hmm. if you look back in history, we were in communities. We were living in tents, like helping one another. It almost was like we were a team because you did have more than one kid, right? Mm-hmm, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to tag team this. We're going to make this work. We're going to figure it out. And like you said, like you could have done it without me, but how depleted would you have been in different areas of your life had you not had the additional support? I don't even want to say help because it, it's mm-hmm. support. It's mm-hmm. like what every new parent needs or every parent, not even new parent, just every parent needs extra hands, extra help. I mean, you made comments multiple times. Like I just need the extra hands. It's like at times I feel like I need six hands. And so it's so true. What do you think as far as like coming back to that self-care piece, 
What do you think would go into a postpartum self-care toolkit? What would your like top items be? Totally. So part of what I recommend to my clients before they have their babies is to sit down with their partner or alone, doesn't have to be a group activity, and come up with a feel-good list. So all the things that if you've had a long day at work or you've just had a long day in general, what fills you up? Is it what or what re-energizes you or what just feels good? Some people love to bake. Some people love to move their body. Um, not even like exercise, just moving their body. One of mine going outside, Mm -hmm. getting that vitamin D touching the earth, gardening totally just resets me touching the earth, being in nature, hearing all the sounds of nature. So I ask my clients to put, put together a comprehensive, even if it seems silly, like put a a target run on there. If that feels good to you to walk up and down the aisles, not, and not necessarily buy anything, but just that time to be by yourself, or maybe it's, maybe you're more of like, you like to have companionship. So maybe it means curling up on the couch and watching an episode of your favorite show with your partner. Um, or maybe it's doing something with them going out to eat, or it doesn't have to be anything big. Like I said, gardening, like just going and pulling weeds felt really good. Putting together a feel good list so that after you have your baby, you don't have to think about it. You can just look at your menu of items and say, what would I need right now? And if I can't think of what I need, or I don't know what I need, having your partner say, Hey, you have going for a walk or sitting outside and meditating for five minutes in the sun on your list. Go do that. I have the baby. Don't worry about it. Go do that. And it might be hard, right? You're in mom mode and that feels good and that's comfortable, but you will be able to show up for yourself and for your child and your partner if you care for yourself. And I wish I would have known that. So that's a huge one. Make your feel good list. When like you were in the throes of all of this and now working with mothers, planning for future children, like when you look back, why was it so flipping hard? Like, why is postpartum so challenging to, I mean, honestly, just like get through the day in your opinion? What is that? Honestly, I think it's a societal thing. I think everyone loves a big round pregnant belly mama person, birthing person. You know, we throw baby showers when you're pregnant, you have all these prenatal appointments. Um, you know, like I think it's once a month. And then once you hit your third trimester, it's every two weeks. And then it goes to every week. I mean, there's so much focus and support in many different ways on the pregnant body and the Mm -hmm. pregnant person. And no one likes to talk about, I think it's getting better, but no one likes to talk about the after pregnancy and what, what does life look like? I couldn't even fathom what life, all I could focus on was taking as many childbirth classes as I could. So I could prepare for 
this huge event that everybody talks about and movies dramatized, you know, going into labor and your water breaking and it being this like crazy chaotic thing, but no one ever really talks about postpartum because it is a lot of things are just like uncomfortable about postpartum. Like, you know, you're, you're immediately a mother, the moment your child is born yet it's a title you've never had practice doing before when it's the first time. And yeah, it's just, I, I think that I think it's hard because we don't know how to wrap our minds around it. I think it's just not talked about enough. The fact that people don't even know what postpartum doulas are is showing that there's a gap, right? The fact that they understand what birth doulas are because we all know, you know, how much is talked about how important birth support is or just birth in general and, the, and being in labor and giving birth. But postpartum is that gray area where I just think that not only do people not really know how to think about life after baby, it also, it can become a little bit political. And what I mean by that is there's my friend, I'm, I'm coining a term, my friend made up mom-splaining or like moms judging other moms for mm. decisions that they make. Um, and maybe it's a decision. So I'm just going to use the example of breastfeeding. So breastfeeding is ex- the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life. It was harder than childbirth. It was harder than Same. pregnancy. Yep. Some, some moms are like, nope. Like I have a friend who's a doctor who's like, nope, I'm not breastfeeding. My baby will get my colostrum right after I give birth. And then she will, my baby will be a formula baby because I am an ENT doctor and I don't, I will, I could make the time to pump and do that, but I'm a surgeon and I'm just not going to completely overwhelm myself and pressure myself. And I was like, good for you. And she's not Mm -hmm. pregnant. She's not pregnant right now, but there's a spectrum, right? When you're in the birth community or postpartum, which I also call the birth community, there's a spectrum of like people who will say, no, you cannot use formula. It's you have to breastfeed. And like, this is where postpartum gets like a little political. Another example, circumcising to circumcise or to not circumcise to breastfeed or not to breastfeed or to use formula or not to use formula, do baby led weaning or do, um, puree like baby puree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just starts to get like, there can be opportunities for people to feel really divided. Same way, same in pregnancy too, right? Like some people are like, Nope, I'm going to, I'm going to elect to be induced. I think the biggest thing is we have to support people's decisions, no matter what, knowing that they're making the decision that makes the most sense for themselves individually and their family. Like the example I gave with the doctor who preemptively is like, I know that I I've seen my friends have babies and try and be a doctor and the like pump exclusively while they're at work. And they're like, they, they were miserable. So she mm-hmm. learned from that. So it's opening up those conversations and normalizing it and not judging and not mom explaining and, and being from a position and saying, I'm a mom, here's what I did. And here's why you should do it. Just respecting, respect, respecting that person's boundary, respecting that person's decision 
around what they're choosing or not choosing to do with their family. Mm-hmm. That was really what I did, but I hope that <laughs> I no, it, it's really, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I am not new to this. And yet being in this season of comparison is just so, it, it happens in a lot of things, but with, with parenting, I find it to be like the most vulnerable, right? This comparison of like, am I, am I pumping enough? You know, she's three months. What should I be pumping? What are other moms pumping right now? Like, am I, yeah. am I, I give other examples of like, am I holding her enough? Is she getting enough contact? You know, oh, she's throwing up a little bit. Is it like, because I'm feeding her too fast again and I need to, you know, there's just so much doubt as it relates to a baby because you don't have feedback from them. You don't know. And everyone out there looks like they're doing it better. And I think that's like, for me, that was what makes postpartum so challenging is that is that pressure. It's that comparison. It's that mom guilt. It's that doubt. And I don't, I don't have a solution for how to overcome that other than listening to intuition and really listening to like what your gut says. And like you said, having those conversations about what's best for your family, but that is a lot harder said than done. Easier said than done. So, so much sleep deprivation. You're in good company. So much easier said than done. And so just normalizing that, you know, just saying like, this is challenging and all you can do is listen to yourself, trust yourself, and take care of yourself. Like you are the key to all of this. Baby needs you to be okay. And I think this stuff is just so we forget that. We forget that because, yeah, we're in the beauty of pregnancy and then birth. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, no, what the fuck do I do? Yes. Yes. And the moment and sometimes even before, but the moment your baby is born, you start experiencing mom guilt because maybe your milk's taking longer to get in, like mine did. Same. So they're having to yeah. supplement, like, having to supplement seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you feel so bad about yourself because no one talks about the fact that you're, it could take up to two weeks for your milk to fully come in. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and maybe longer, depending on the person, no person's journey is alike. And I think one thing that you said just about being in the season of comparison and why that has been so hard, I think social media is partially to play, right? We can, we can only, we pick and choose what we share on our social media feed, right? And sometimes the people who we think are doing everything better than we are, are only showing the good. Um, But the thing to remember is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. The more we compare, the more we think everyone else is doing it better without actually knowing what's going on. It will totally steal your joy. And that's why having a community of women who have also recently given birth is so important because you're stressed and you're saying, Oh my gosh, my partner, like, isn't helping in the middle of the night. How is he sleeping through the baby crying? And then someone else in in your group says, 
oh my gosh, my, my partner's doing the exact same thing. I thought he was the worst partner in the world. I thought I was alone. Hearing someone else have a similar, very similar experience to yourself, you immediately normalize what you're going through and you don't feel like such an outsider. I think Instagram and social media has such a place, especially as it relates to some education. I do think that there's been so many times I've learned so many things. I've learned so like we struggled a lot with this breastfeeding journey yet again. And I got tons of answers that I found on social media. And yet I have to literally catch myself when it's like, okay, am I doing this for education or am I doing this to make myself feel bad somehow? And, and that's, you know, that community piece is so much different, right? You can do both. You can educate and just commiserate a little bit. And I think that's totally okay. What do you, you know, we're kind of coming back to this, having someone to help. There's so many of us, and obviously this is societal pressure and this is the patriarchy, but that we struggle with asking for help. And I know I, at first when you came, I'm like, I don't know, like, what do I do? Like, this was so weird to like, Am I like bossing you around? I don't know. Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? And what can you, what do you suggest? How do you help your clients work through that? Yes, hundred percent. So I always say, if you want to practice being a feminist or you want to break down patriarchy, just ask for help. Because as women, we are conditioned, we're socialized, we're told that we need to be making everyone around us comfortable and helping and and just doing a lot of people pleasing to be honest. Like, right. and it's so then once we're in a position where we can't do that all the time for everyone, it's very, it is a very uncomfortable and just no, it's completely foreign. We've never had to ask for help. And I a hundred percent still even struggle with this. I struggle to verbalize communicating with my partner on how he can help me because I think it's just easier to do it myself. So Mm -hmm. tips for this practice while you're pregnant, practice with your partner, practice with family members. I mean, pregnancy, I was very, very lucky. I had a super easy pregnancy up until the last like two weeks. I would say it was very easy, very like textbook pregnancy, but you know, it started to get hard doing things that I enjoy. I love to clean, cleaning the vacuuming. The stairs was a freaking workout between my big belly and huffing and puffing up those stairs because you have a baby sitting on your lungs. It was hard. So I had to be like, okay, husband, Matt, I need you to vacuum. I need you to take that off my plate because right now I physically just like, can't, I can't do it. I'm exhausted and I need you to do that. So tip number one, just practice while you're pregnant, just start feeling what it feels like so that you don't. So it's not such a learning curve after baby is here. Also, then they're used to doing things that maybe they didn't traditionally take care of around the house, for example kind of like your feel good list, brainstorm a list of tasks to put on the fridge for other people to do if they come over. And I think that this is really good. If you have trouble verbalizing and just the act of asking for help, then you don't have to ask. It's literally on your fridge. I had one client who taped it to her door. So on her front door, there were tasks where (laughs) if people wanted to come in, they picked the task on there and then they came in knowing that they were going to do X, Y, and Z. 
and get to snuggle with a little baby for 10 minutes or whatever. But they were coming in and they were helping. It was not a transactional, like, I'm just going to come and hold your baby because who doesn't love a cute, squishy little newborn? They're coming there to, to help and also get to hold a squishy little newborn. So Melissa Urban, who um, is the founder of Whole30, had a TikTok video saying, we have a rule in my house that if there are dishes to do, bill or like mail to sort or laundry to do, do not ask me, what can I do to help? There's always something to do. There's always those three things. There's always something to do around the house. So Maybe just go with those three things. Super Mm -hmm. simple. Another huge one, meal trains. I wish that I would have elected a friend um, or nominated a friend to organize a meal train. But after I had uh, my son, Owen, a meal train just sort of like developed, like people kind of, I guess we have good friends. They would come over and in hand, they would always have a home cooked meal. And so it wasn't just a, I want to hold Owen and meet him. It was, I want to make sure you're nourished and you have something to eat and not just Chipotle every night. And I also want to like meet your new baby because I'm excited and people are, it's coming from a good place, but that was so wonderful to know. We don't have to like think about what to meal plan or order that Chipotle delivery or, you know, eat, eat a cold cut sandwich. Like having those home cooked meals were such a gift. And it also broke up the day. So they came over we got to visit with them for an hour. They gave us the meal. We knew what our next meal was going to be. And then they were on their way. And then the last one, which I already touched on was just your feel good list. I think not only asking for help and getting comfortable, but asking for time for yourself, because that is, that is a form of help is like allowing you to get that time to rest and recharge and do something that you enjoy that you, that filled you up before you became a, a parent. Mm-hmm. So those are my top ones. Those are great. I was really impressed this time with my friends. They must've gotten the memo. I, maybe this is because now we, a lot of us have kids. So we know mm-hmm. how to do this, but I, there were so many friends. I'll use my friend, Nicole, as an example. She just had her baby and she was a dream. She came over, this is before she had her baby. And granted, this is like a little bit later, you know, everyone wants to come over like right away. And frankly, like it's a nude fest. Like, we, no, like we can't have visitors right away. Like it's a, like I said, it's just a, you're free falling it. Like it's hilarious. So like waiting until a couple, make couple weeks in, maybe like six weeks or so in coming over, she brought food. She brought made food. She brought like some groceries and she immediately came in and she just played with my kids because I was like, somebody pay attention to them right now, right? Dream, dream scenario. And there's so many, you know, so many things that you can do like that to help. It's not about coming in and just snuggling baby. It's about how can you support mama? And my friends this time, I was like, yeah, you guys, you got this. This is so good. I think it's spreading. Like people understand, but also when you have those, those people maybe of a different generation (laughs) that come in, (laughs) And like aren't is in the know. It's okay to be like, hey, you know what? Uh, I love that you're snuggling baby right now, but like I want to snuggle baby. Would you mind making some dinner for us? Throw some, throw those pancakes together, man. Like this is great. Like that's totally acceptable. And we need to be doing that more. We need to normalize this because it's so critical. 
And to your point, it's in the way you ask, right? You never, ever came off like you were being bossy. You'd always be like, would you mind doing this? Would you, you were always so, so nice and so polite and like kind and warm and welcoming. Like, honestly, I mean, very early on, I was like, you're my favorite client. I love you so much, Um, (laughs) but like really. And so that's another thing, right? Like it's in the way you ask, Mm -hmm. like people will never be upset with you for being honest. And if what you need is pancakes to be made or noodles, like something simple that literally my father-in-law love you, Bob cannot cook. Can he make noodles? Can he make rice? Absolutely. The more that we can get comfortable at asking and also knowing what we need. I think that's, again, what people really struggle with because we don't prioritize ourselves. Like we talk about self-care, but are we actually doing it? So then it's, it's understanding a, what is it we need and B getting comfortable asking for it. Mm. So true. So true. And this carries on into, you know, after those first 12 weeks, that's for sure. Like learning to ask for help is a skill. It's a skill that like will literally last your lifetime. It is totally. Okay. I want to know what you do for self-care. I love your self-care, your skincare routine shenanigans. And like, what do you like to do to judge on yourself? Yeah. I mean, first on my list, definitely morning and nighttime skincare routine. It is like an unspoken rule in the morning after I nurse Owen that like Matt takes over. Matt's my husband. Matt takes over and does breakfast. I love our dinner time together. It's really special. You know, Owen's throwing food on the floor and feeding the dogs. It's very cute, but (laughs) um, it's not chaotic at all. But in the morning, I'm like, this is my time to take a shower uninterrupted where I don't have a toddler trying to climb into the shower with me. And then also just like, yeah, have time to wash my face put on a full face of makeup. If that feels good. I don't do my hair a lot. That is not self-care to me. I want to pay someone else to wash and style my hair for me. Also, I don't know how to do my hair. Um, so it air dries mostly, but yes, definitely skincare routine. That has been a newer one for me. I used to just do a very basic with my hands. So I've definitely upped my skincare routine. Another one alternating or taking turns sleeping in on the weekend. So like if I Mm. sleep in on Saturday, Matt sleeps in on Sunday and one of us gets up with Owen so that the other one can wake up when their body's ready to wake up. Rest is so important. So rest is a form of self-care and I am a doer. I have a lot of energy, but if I don't rest, like I, I'll run out of steam. So resting is I have to remind, like, I, I get like a feeling in my gut, like you are going way too fast. Like go lay on the couch. If you fall asleep at three, 3 PM, that's okay. You need this. And then another like self-care practice of mine. I just love a good reality TV show. So bachelorette, like total trash um, TV. I love the Kardashians. I followed them their whole career team <laughs> yeah. career. It was, there was one day right after Stella had had her tongue tie procedures, which was just like really stressful for everyone where I'm just like, you came over and like, we're getting, we ordered acai bowls to be delivered. Like it's ridiculous. And we just needed to watch Love Island. Like that's all that was going to happen is like ridiculousness TV. Yep. 
And yeah. And I, I think that comfort food and it felt so good. I find that in postpartum, I need mindless self-care more than any other time. I don't normally gravitate towards reality TV or like sort of pop culture fun stuff, but that's been my true source of joy right now. I love um, the podcast, The Toast, which is a daily show. And it's just like straight up pop culture conversations. And like, I live for it because right now I can't listen to my normal, like deep spiritual wellness stuff because I don't have the capacity to do so. And that's okay. That is so okay. 100% because it requires reality TV shows or like The Toast podcast. It doesn't require anything of you. And as moms, we are required by so many people and so many things all the time. So to be able to mentally check out feels so amazing. Mm -hmm. It feels good to just not as much as it feels amazing to be needed. A lot of times, like we need, we need a break. We need a break from being needed all the time. Mm -hmm. Totally understand why reality TV could feel really rejuvenating to you because you don't have to think about it. Right. It's like, it's It's relaxing. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you have another virtual moms group coming up. Can you talk about that and just where people can connect with you if they want your support? Absolutely. Yes. You can find me on Instagram. So test the doula and we can connect and we can get you signed up for my mom's group. Oh, Tess, I'm so grateful for you and I've been connected and now we're friends and now we get to do cool things together. And just like, you really do make this process so much better. And if you are someone who's been thinking about getting a postpartum doula, you're in the Twin Cities, Tess is here, but there's so many people that do this work all over now. And I highly, highly recommend if you are in that process to seek out some help because it's amazing. Yes. I always say like, you don't need to feel bad if instead of all these things on your registry, you just put that you want funds towards a postpartum doula. Like, honestly, it will pay dividends for you, for your partner, for your baby. Like, honestly, everyone benefits. And it's, uh, yeah, the most fulfilling work I have ever, ever done. Awesome. Thanks, Tess. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. You can follow along with Tess at TessTheDoula on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend, maybe a pregnant mama, a friend who is thinking about having children, or someone that wants to support other postpartum mamas. And as always, hit subscribe if you want to follow along for the latest content. We are at Yoga Magic Podcast on Instagram, and I will see you next week.